Welcome to episode 31 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. About three months ago, I had the opportunity to interview Austin Tyndall, a voice actor who has worked on Tokyo Ghoul as well as Attack on Titan as Marco. But before we dive into the interview, I'd like to give everybody a fair warning that the audio quality is not the greatest. So I hope you stick with it, as well as please follow us on Twitter at PopAnimeComics and on our website, PopAnimeComics.com. So without further ado, let's dive right into this interview. When were you first exposed to anime? My first experience was renting movies with my dad. And there's a bunch of old obscure movies that I don't really remember that well. And then it's like all the classics, all the Miyazaki films and Ninja Scroll, Vampire, Hunter D, stuff like that. And then, you know, I used to watch Tsunami. So probably Dragon Ball is like the first anime that I kind of got into. And I watched that all through high school. So in high school, what activities did you do that really helped you to develop your voice and really help you get into voice acting? I started acting in high school on stage, and that's basically where I started to learn all of my skills. And I continued to do theater for many years after that. I never actually spent time like studying voice acting typically. And you know, this is true for most actors. Studying just to do voice acting is kind of like becoming a chef and only learning how to make omelets. For the most part, people are out there trying to do whatever they can to learn everything they can in every aspect. Probably one of the things that helped me the most, which is more vocal training related. Related is I did a, an intensive near Boston with a company called Shakespeare and Company, and they teach a lot of techniques that were created by a woman named Kristen Linklater, who was a contemporary with a woman named Tina Packer, and this intensive was all geared towards performing Shakespeare, but Kristen Linklater has this book called Unleashing the Natural Voice, and it's very grounded in learning how to prepare your body to use your vocal techniques to the best of its ability. So that's where I really got everything that probably made me successful in the industry in terms of skill level. Early on in high school, though, it was, it was just about being on stage, and that's the most important thing, because they're not necessarily looking for someone that can do a million voices, though that is helpful, but really, they're looking for you to be you. So learning how to be on stage is the most useful thing that you can start to do to learn how to be an actor or a voice actor. So when did you really know that you wanted to go into voice acting, or did it happen by accident? Voice acting, typically, I kind of stumbled onto it. I was doing stage, and I was really focused on trying to get on camera and be on TV, and I met Ian Sinclair while we were both doing Titus Andronicus with Shakespeare Dallas, and we became friends, and at that point, he was already pretty into the industry, and he helped me get a few auditions, and then later on, I got an agent that helped me get some auditions, and then it I spent like a few years just doing really small bit part before I started to pick up, get more work. And it was kind of a happy accident. I was just trying to do anything I could to get a job, and Funimation became the place that hired me the most. Were your parents supportive of your decision to go into acting and voice acting? Yeah, my parents were always really cool about it. I initially went to college for electrical engineering. It wasn't until my senior year that I really committed to being an actor and I changed majors. Up until that point, it was kind of like something I liked doing, but, you know, engineering seemed like the sense choice but they've always been super supportive of just me you know doing anything going out and doing anything really you know not anything legal thing things that are good for you where did you go to train your voice i learned on the streets I really, I learned through doing. It probably, I would say Shakespeare is where I got most of my chops. I spent like nine seasons at Shakespeare Dallas doing shows, and that was on a giant stage in front of 1,500 people where you really have to use your voice to command their attention. So that probably gave me a lot of the skills that got me where I am. 
them now. That's the most advice I could give anybody else, aside from checking out Kristen Linklater's books, because she's got some great techniques. And, and while you were breaking into this industry, did you have any mentors or role models that you looked up to? Uh, there's a lot of my fellow actors that I admire. There was never like a famous person that I really paid too much attention to. You know, I'm a big fan of Troy Baker and his work, and that definitely influenced me. But more so than that, the people that I get to work with, Ian Sinclair taught me a bunch of stuff, introduced me to a bunch of stuff. Mike McFarlane taught me a huge amount of stuff, just being able to work with him. And then, you know, people that I've looked up to, I still admire Josh Greeley and everything that he can do with his voice. And he's kind of still in my range, but he's got more flexibility and better at altering his voice, which I envy and try to emulate. Those probably were the most influential factors. And being that you're in Texas, and Texas is one of the central locations for voice acting work in the anime field, do you feel that provides you an advantage, you know, landing a job and really, you know, kind of growing up with that as a background and in that area? I would definitely say if I wasn't living in Dallas, I never would have gotten the opportunities that got me to start working at Funimation that ended up with us here today. It's pretty hard to get hired there if you're not local. Say that living there definitely was a big factor. Uh, that's not to say it's impossible to get things done from a different town. You know, there are some success stories out there of people who submitted their stuff and worked their butt off and managed to end up getting an opportunity. But Funimation specifically, if you want to work there, you got to be in Dallas or you got to be willing to travel to Dallas, especially for the bigger media roles that I started getting. Being able to be local and for people to see me all the time and just keep me in their brain was definitely a huge reason why I got as many jobs as I did. To transition to your voice acting career. The first character I did that like had a whole scene was Terrorist number two in the second season of Black Butler. And I got that job because of Ian Sinclair. He brought me in and let me do this tiny little British terrorist guy. And then I started doing Wallow for many years before my first named character was Alzac Connell in Fairy Tale, directed by Tyler Walker, a character who is still alive today, and I voice him still whenever he shows up. I had auditioned at Funimation many times before ever getting a chance to get hired to do anything. But Ian Sinclair and Tyler Walker were the main reason that I broke into the industry at all. They gave me those early breaks. So how does a typical audition work for you when you first started? The audition process, at Funimation at least, you go in, you know, you have your time slot, and you get about 15 minutes with the director, Max, sometimes less. You go in there, try to go in early. They have a book sitting there with the title of the show you're auditioning for, and then green grabs of both the main characters. There'll be like six dudes and like six girls, and then there'll be descriptions of the show itself, and then there'll be descriptions of the characters you're voicing next to their picture. And you usually pick three different characters to try to audition for. And you'll go in there, you'll do it maybe two times, they'll maybe adjust you if they want to. Or sometimes you'll just go in there, you'll read three different characters, and they'll kick you out and say, thanks, have a nice day. But in general, on that page, there's like five or six lines. And it's usually the first line that the character says, but they'll mix it up a little bit. If he's a character that screams a lot or has some real big emotional moments, they'll put those lines in there with a brief kind of description of what's happening for that cue. And then you go in there, stand in front of the microphone, and uh, they have a little screen up that shows all the lines that you just reviewed, and you just go line by line. So how do you prepare for one of the auditions? I used to do more preparation. I used to find out what the show is, and then beforehand watch a bunch of episodes, try to pick out the character that I might be good for, figure out what they're like. When you go into audition, you're like sitting there in the lobby saying the word.
words to yourself, trying not to look too crazy in front of all the other people. But I found nowadays it's almost better for me to not do too much research or preparation because it's easier to be in the moment. And plus, these directors kind of know me and they know what I do, so they're not looking for anything they haven't already seen. So number one now for me preparing for auditioning is just trying to be totally zenned out in the moment, not thinking about it too much, which is not a technique that a lot of people do. There's, there's, I know most actors are much better and more meticulous at preparation than I am. So how do you go about finding an audition? There's a million ways to get a cat. At least for me, it started off with theater, which gave me the connections that allowed me to get an agent, which gave me the connections that allowed me to get an audition at Funimation, because they don't really take solicitations that much. Like, you can submit a demo to them, and eventually someone might see it. But for the most part, they work with agencies. So my agent got a casting call from them. It was like, hey, we're looking for people that sound like this. And they sent me the info, and then I go up there. So is this the typical way that you receive roles is through your agent and then your agent gets it and then you get an audition or have you received roles in other ways as well? It started off all going through the agency, but now that I have a relationship with Funimation, they contact me directly, and, and if the director is interested in seeing me for something, they'll send me a text and just say, hey, come up and audition for this thing, which it happens less nowadays with the simulcast dub. They're kind of at the cast more quickly and end up using people that they know can do a certain thing, you know, and everybody out there now kind of knows what I sound like and what my strengths and weaknesses are, so they kind of already have to that. Outside of that, outside of Funimation, all the other voiceover work, I mean, like commercial stuff or video games, all that stuff, through the agency. They'll contact my agent and uh, my agent will contact me. That's usually how it goes. Now in 2011 you were the lead in Is This a Zombie? How did you feel with responsibility towards the show when you had this lead role? It was huge for me. got the role from Tyler Walker. He's the guy that got me and directed the show. Uh, it started off as a normal audition. At the time I don't think I was thinking too much of it because I was just like, oh I'll never get this. But I, I went in and I did for Tyler and then about a week later I got a text message and they're like, hey, you're in the show and we need to book you for all these hours. But Tyler took a chance on me as a new guy that people hadn't really heard much of. So my voice happened to fit what he was looking for, and, and luckily I didn't screw the audition up too much. Um, but that's, that's how I got in there. Now, also in 2011, you were in a bunch of other animes, including Dead Man Wonderland, Full Metal Alchemist, Guilty, Crown Pleasures. So how did you balance your time between all these shows? Funimation is really good about organizing all that. The person who booked all the actors is looking at the schedule, aware of what people need and when things need to happen. And, you know, I give them my availability and they'll basically text me once a week. they like, hey, we need you for eight hours. Can you do this time and this time and this time? Or, hey, we need you for this or that and the other. So a lot of times when you're recording stuff like that, I'll go into the studio for six-hour day and maybe four hours will be the leading role that I'm doing and then the other two hours I'll bounce around like three different booths for smaller characters and the smaller characters are a lot easier to knock out quickly like Dead Man Wonderland that probably took four or five hours total for everything for the show so it wasn't too time consuming it got trickier this year during the simulcast dubs because those suckers have to get out in a single week they'll tell you like hey don't leave town for the next two months because we're gonna need you to come in like at random times and sometimes i get text messages like late at night being like hey can you be here at 10 a.m tomorrow so i just try to be as available as possible and they they organize most of that and then in 2013, you were in one of the most popular shows in the last 10 years attack on titan how did you feel being in that show I didn't know how big of a deal it was until we were already in the midst of it. Like, I hadn't seen the show yet. I'd heard about it. But I went in, I auditioned for a bunch of different characters. 
years. And then eventually they called me and they're like, hey, come on in. And I didn't know what I was doing or what was happening. Walked into the booth and Mike McFarlane was like, hey, you're going to play Marco Bot. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Who's that? One of the things that I think has actually helped me is I try not to learn too much about the show before I do it. You know, you want to have an idea of the universe and the type of character that you're voicing and who he is. But then after that, it's kind of nice to not know what's about to happen. It kind of keeps you in the moment, makes you more fresh, at least for me. Everybody works differently. But so I didn't know that my character was going to die until the moment that he was dead, which he dies off screen, so that doesn't play too big of a factor. But in general, I like to be surprised by what's about to happen. So I kept myself kind of willfully ignorant through most of it. It wasn't until after the show came out and Mark Robot became kind of a popular character that it was like a huge deal for me. So how do you get into character? And in particular, how did you get into the character of Marco? Anime dubbing world, a lot of that is he's a conversation between me and the director. So the director has an idea about how he wants character to sound, and we'll spend the first session just playing around with that. So I went in there, and he was like, hey, the character, he's, uh, he's the sweet, innocent character in this show. He's naive, he's young. We probably want him to sound higher pitched than what you normally sound like. So we played around with the first few lines until it started to sound like what Mike was looking for. You know, that character was actually pretty hard for me to figure out at first because he wanted a very a higher pitched sound than what I usually do. Do. And I don't do a lot of variation in my voices. So we spent a lot of the time recording that character with him, with Mike just continually reminding me to like, he's like, okay, that sounded good. Now pitch it up. Okay, now pitch it up. Uh, which is really hard to do in a show like Attack on Titan because if you're doing something soft-spoken like Hanaki and Tokyo Ghoul. It's quiet a lot. It's easier to maintain that higher pitch. But when you're in Attack on Titan and you're screaming your face off, it's kind of hard to scream in an ulterior. How did Tokyo Ghoul affect your career? It's been great. You know, I've gotten a lot of attention for it. It's probably, you know, my biggest role now. Season one is just now coming out on DVD. I'm still seeing the effect of it. The immediate effect was I just started getting more offers to go to conventions, the stuff like that. But I don't think the directors don't seem to put a lot of attention into your popularity in terms of choosing whether or not to you. Like, I didn't necessarily get more roles because of Tokyo Ghoul. Or they hire whoever they think sounds closest to what they're looking for. But career-wise, it definitely helped out with uh, the convention scene. I'm still waiting to hear feedback when everyone gets to see season one. And do you have a favorite project that you worked on with Funimation? You know, favorites are always tricky. It's like trying to pick which child you love the most. So it tends to be like the last projects that I worked on. You know, so my instinct is to say probably Tokyo Ghoul is my favorite experience. Hopefully I'm always growing so I feel better about where I am now than where I was a long time ago. So it's always nice to have the next kind of staff training and, you know, career-wise. Aside from that, there's one other show that I probably had the most fun voicing, which still hasn't been announced, so I'm not allowed to tell you what it is, but hopefully it's going to come out soon. And you've also done other voice work for the video game Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. Xenoverse. How'd you get involved in that project? That was with Okratron. And their company is kind of related to Funimation, owned by Chris Sabat, who obviously does a lot of work with Funimation. So the people over there kind of were aware of me from my work at Funimation, but I think they went through my agent um, when I first got an audition. I'm trying to remember if I even got to audition for that specifically, because I didn't audition for the role that I got. On some level, it's kind of a mystery. You know, someone calls you and says, hey, we have a job for you. And you go, oh, awesome. But that was probably, I think they went to the agency. And you've given a lot of advice throughout this entire interview but do you have any other advice that you can give to people who want to get into the anime industry in particular voice acting number one you know realize first of all that if anime is your passion your personal passion i would consider not making it a job because it kind of it takes something away when you turn your passion into the thing that defines you and makes you all your money
morning. And it's a rough business, hard to stay afloat. I spent many, many years working 12 hours a day so that I would have time to be able to get those opportunities while still just surviving and making money. Many, many multiple jobs and stuff like that. So my advice to you is like reconsider. It's a tricky thing to do. But, you know, if you find yourself compelled and it's something you can't let go of, the first thing that I would do is get yourself on stage so that you can start to learn what it's like to be an actor. Because voice actors are actors, and that's the first thing you have to figure out. You also need to be realistic about judging yourself and what you fit in. And you might really love all the young characters. So you need to evaluate what you can do realistically. And then you need to you know, work your butt off, promote yourself as a product and a business but also persistence, persistence and polite. Again, Kristen Linklater taught me a lot of stuff, not personally, but her techniques are very good. And then finally, before we go, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Facebook page, Twitter, website, anything that you're in that'll be coming out soon? Definitely check me out. I'm on Twitter, at Austin Tindall. And then I have a Facebook page. I think if you Google my name, the Facebook page will pop up. So please, people, follow me and like my page. Prison School is what I'm working on right now. It's out as a simulcast dub. I just recorded another episode. That's the main thing that I'm working on. And then, uh, you know, Tokyo Ghoul Season 1 coming out. So be sure to get your DVD copies of that. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. As I am aware, the audio quality is not the greatest, but I appreciate you listening all the way through. And as always, subscribe to this podcast so it finds you and you don't find it. And until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.